Hello, my friends. Today's podcast is a little different. I'm going to try and be optimistic and hopeful. I'm going to try and come up with reasons to think that maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel that's just not a, another train. I'm going to give you a few examples, including I'll just I'll, I'll give you one right now. Did you know the stock price for Moderna is down about 30% in the last month? Why is that? Why are those greedy capitalists bailing on Moderna? Pfizer, too. I'll, I'll take you through some little proof points that suggest that maybe, maybe we can see the end of this nightmare. That's today's podcast. I'd like to invite you to see the video version of it. We call it Rebel News Plus. It's eight bucks a month for a subscription. You get my show every day and Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, and Andrew Chapados every week. And uh, the eight bucks a month, it goes to keep us independent. We don't take any government money. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, I'm a pessimist these days, but I have a few reasons for optimism. Let me see if I can persuade you. It's January 18th, and this is the Answer the Band Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. The story of the pandemic is how fast things went so badly and how little anybody or anything did about it. Canada's one of the worst examples. There's some atrocious misconduct in Australia, to be sure, but at least there are some institutions, some elected officials, some media, some judges there who are skeptical. Same in the United Kingdom, where significant wings of both the conservative government and the labor opposition, including Jeremy Corbyn, have been skeptics of the lockdowns. Not so here in Canada. Every government and every opposition party in federal and every province are in lockstep. Every judge, every TV station, every doctor, because they've suspended the doctors who object, every chamber of commerce, every official person. It really is this shocking 99% conformity from that historical picture of August Landmesser, the one German who didn't give Hitler uh, the salute in that iconic picture. I think some people were stunned by what happened to us, almost in a state of shock. I don't think that was accidental. I think it was absolutely a psychological operation, a psyop. When all the world leaders start using the same hypnotic code words at the same time, build back better, the great reset, and all prescribe the same untested, unscientific responses to the virus in lockstep, they all used the same trick, two weeks to flatten the curve. They all swore by six feet of separation, even though the former head of the FDA himself says no one actually knows where that six feet or two meter advice came from. When they all say the same thing about masks, don't wear them, then do wear them. Then the masks you've been wearing for the past year aren't good. And it's all a giant game of Simon Says, where they're all just repeating what the other one says. It's not science. It's something else that I don't think we've seen before, not in the free West anyways, not on this scale. And of course, the tech giants are key to it. It was a snow day in Toronto yesterday and again today. I get it. It really was a big blizzard. So the kids did school on their laptops by Zoom all across the city, which they've been doing for much of the past two years anyways. My point is, if it weren't for Zoom and laptops and broadband internet and all the other technologies that 
The half-baked, demoralizing, antisocial way of doing school from home wouldn't have been possible, and schools would have been back in action in 2020. Tech provided a sneaky way for politicians to shut down schools with a half-hearted solution. Same thing with everything, same thing with everything that closed from Parliament. The Parliament in the UK shut down briefly during the, the Great Plague hundreds of years ago. I think that shutdown was measured in weeks. They actually just moved the Parliament to Oxford from London. Trudeau has used Zoom and the other excuses to avoid and evade parliamentary oversight for two years. But by far the most important use of technology was the brainwashing effect of social media. You're bombarded by news and tweets and Instagram and Facebook posts around the clock. You're terrified, you're terrorized. And that's the point. And now they're using technology to foment hate against minorities, the unvaxxed. I'm not saying crowds can't go mad without the internet and social media and phones. I mean, Hitler managed to whip up people in the age of stadiums and newspapers and radio broadcasts and film reels, but nothing like this. It really was what Orwell wrote about in 1949 when he wrote his book, 1984, and imagined what he called telescreens. The telescreen received and transmitted simultaneously. Any sound that Winston made above the level of a very low whisper would be picked up by it. Moreover, so long as he remained within the field of vision, which the metal plaque commanded, he could be seen as well as heard. There was, of course, no way of knowing whether you were being watched at any given moment. Orwell didn't foresee telescreens so small, you carry them with you everywhere, you sleep with it next to you. You can actually be listened to at every given moment because the listening is done by machine, by artificial intelligence, by the algorithm, where you're constantly nudged towards approved content and away from banned content, which you might never see, and which if you publish it yourself might never be seen by anyone. Nothing like it before. Social media and cell phones were bad enough before the pandemic. A source of mental illness, depending on your social media of choice. Watch Instagram, feel envy. Read Twitter, Twitter, feel rage. They've conditioned us so well. So many people are so afraid, and they will be long after the last lockdown is legally rescinded. The fear will remain. You can see it already. I tell you that without the media, and especially social media, no one would have even known there was a pandemic. It really was equivalent to a bad flu season, except it was even more skewed to the very elderly. Average age of death, 80. Average number of underlying conditions, 4. I mean, it would be unthinkable to have closed businesses and schools for such a disease before the true disease, the mind virus of media hypnosis was in place. But you've heard me say most of this before. I'm here today with a different point of view, at least just for today. I'm here to tell you that there are some little green shoots of hope. I mean, Orwell himself in 1984 wrote, if there was hope, it must lie in the proles. By proles, he meant the proletariat, the working class, ordinary people, not the ruling class. My previous point about mass hypnosis, mass fear-mongering through social media, through our cell phones, might blunt any belief that the proles could save us, but I think there's still some truth to it. I see it in my own small travels, the latest lockdown in Toronto, mums and dads who were compliant, even obedient before, maybe even amateur self-appointed enforcers before. They now have tiny acts of rebellion as a matter of course, like someone who at 3 a.m. might stop at a red light at an intersection, realize there's no one around for miles, and then just decides to go through the light anyways. That kind of rebellion, not a showy rebellion or one that's rash, not driving through a red light in midday. But, I don't know, a gymnastics studio or a hockey rink that was told to close, but that finds a way to open, 
quietly under the radar for parents who are tired of having their kids' lives disrupted. I, I've really never worn a mask in public. Um, that still attracts some mask scolds, but not as often, not as adamant. In, in fact, I'm trying to think of the last time it was enforced against me in a way that altered my course in any way other than some banter. Jordan Peterson is an example of, I think, the changes going on. Uh, he got his jab somewhat reluctantly, it seems, because he did so to remain active in his public life. He's just given her. He, he travels a lot. He likes to go to public venues like theaters, be a full citizen. He kept his end of the bargain. But when the government didn't keep its end, when they still subjected him to tests and rules and inspections and limits, and now to lockdowns like the the dirty unvaxxed, he rightly said, hang on, what's the point? I have to laugh all the people, especially in the big provinces of Ontario and Quebec, who got jabbed just for the privilege of living a normal life when they were put under curfew and lockdown, just like the unvaccinated. Didn't they feel like they were cheated, like the social contract was torn up? In many places, Israel being one, two doses is now called unvaccinated. You're back to square one. Here's the CEO of Moderna getting really excited about how many more doses he has in store for you and how many more hoops you're going to have to keep jumping through to remain a clean person. Is how do we make it possible from a societal standpoint that people want to be vaccinated? And we're trying to do this by preparing combinations. You know, we're working on the flu vaccine, we're working on the RSV vaccine, and our goal is to be able to have a single annual booster so that we don't have compliance issues where people don't want to get two to three shots a winter, but they get one dose where they get you know, a booster for corona and a booster for flu and RSV to make sure that people get their vaccine. So yeah, it's a new kind of vaccine skeptic, not the diehard, I'd rather go to jail type, more the Canadian go along to get along, reasonable, even passive type who played by the rules and sees that the rules have just been changed. That's a different kind of objector. And then add to that, the fact that the vaccinated are now catching the Omicron variant at the same rate or even more than unvaccinated people are. The cognitive dissonance is strong, strong enough for some to break them out of their social media hypnosis. There's an amateur comedian in Toronto. He's on social media mainly. He does different impressions, pretty funny, really normal guy, not political at all, never seen him in talk politics before. He makes lots of cultural jokes in a friendly way. I think he's Persian himself. Uh, he did this rant yesterday about Doug Ford's latest lockdown and Justin Trudeau's insults to the unvaccinated. Now, it's two minutes long. I'm going to play it for you. Now, maybe you don't find him as funny as I do. Maybe you can't quite understand his Persian accent, which he really ratchets up here. Uh, but none of that's really my point. My point is that this is a normal guy, not quite a celebrity, but a normie, an apolitical, friendly fellow, very pro-Canadian, friend-to-all type of guy who has decided that he's done being quiet and compliant and obedient. And he's going to speak up just a little bit. He's frustrated. I think he's jabbed. Uh, and he obviously feels safe to speak out now. So watch for two minutes. I think it's funny myself. You may not. But the point is you would not have had a, a normal person like this say these things six months ago. Take a look. Ah, <sighs> Uh, hello, hi, uh, Mr. Dougie Dougie. How are you doing? Okay, listen, um, idiot. Just I have one question. Why you're so stupid, huh? Just I don't get. I don't understand. Uh, how do you do one more lockdown? I I just I can't take. It's too much. Okay, if you are uh, the longest 
lockdown in the world now. How is possible? Please tell me how many how many times I can drive my white um, luxury Mercedes C class in the neighborhood. Just I am tired. I can't I can't do. Okay. I I, I want to get uh, back to normal life. I want to go to club, pick the white girl, do some dancing, shake my shoulder. Okay. What the hell you are doing? And please tell your idiot friend Justin Trudeau that Ola kesafat bishur ahmak go. Please tell him he is more stupid than you. Yeah, yeah. Because listen, um, Dougie, I am full vaccine. I take the two shot. Okay, uh, like the tequila. Uh, actually, my friend Jamshid he give me the booster, booster, whatever. Some of my friends they are not vax. Uh, uh, it's it's okay. But how the hell Justin is saying they are the racist? When this guy, he do the black face. Are you crazy? Huh? Your Haji Firuz, you, you are racism, not my friend. So kiss my ass, shut your mouth. And please, Mr. Dougie, please, stop talking of the shit Tim Horton and the egg bacon sandwich. You are too fat. Go for walking, a swimming lake, put the right food in your mouth, okay? Stop telling us to stay inside. How about you can go somewhere else for a long time and let us, the people, be free one again, okay? I can't take, please. Okay, anyway, uh, I go now, shut your mouth, please, and um, take care. Okay, be sure, take, okay, bye, okay. Now, he's not going to dethrone Dave Chappelle anytime soon for World's Funniest Guy. But mocking Doug Ford and Justin Trudeau and mocking Trudeau calling anti-vaxxers racist, I like that. Uh, that's a sign of the times, I think. But let me give you some real proof now, bigger proof, more meaningful proof than just the little details in my own modest social life and my own modest online life. Uh let, let's start here. This is the stock market price for Pfizer for the last one month. It's down more than 10% in the last month. Here's the same one-month chart for Moderna. One month, it's down more than 30%. Why? Obviously, they're both still way, way up from where they were in 2019. I mean, Moderna never actually managed to sell a single dose of any drug before the pandemic. Did you know that? This is their first drug. So they're all billionaires many times over. But in the past month, the market, which is a way of saying the collective judgment of thousands or even millions of very self-interested people, greedy people, if you like, capitalists, people motivated by nothing but making a buck, that's why you're an investor, they have decided to get out of these stocks. Democrats or Republicans, pro-vax or anti-vax, none of that matters to the question, do you believe in these two companies enough that in the future they will pay you enough so you want to invest their money now? And the answer is more people are selling these stocks than buying them. That wasn't true before. That hasn't been true until now. What's changed in the past month? Now, every seller of the stock has their own reason. Is it the general recognition that vaccines aren't really working anymore? And that, sure, Pfizer and Moderna managed to con the dumber world leaders like Justin Trudeau into buying years and years worth of supplies. Trudeau's got to be the worst for that. But those windfall contracts are already priced in. They're already signed. It's all downhill from here. The smart money is out. 
I mean, sounds like Bill Gates himself has moved on. Economic damage, the, you know, the deaths, it's been completely horrific. And I would expect that will lead the R&D budgets to be focused on things we didn't have today. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new, a new way of doing the vaccine. Here's the head of Pfizer himself saying the first two doses, well, they didn't really do anything against Omicron, but he really, really promises you that the third dose of the same vaccine will. Uh, and we know that um, the, three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. So yeah, when completely amoral, completely financially oriented capitalists are selling their vaccine stock, it tells you the party's over, at least from that one point of view. But maybe that's something else going on. I don't know. Well, look at this news. Look at this news from the weekend in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's a state with about 8.5 million people in it. Same population as in Quebec. The new governor was sworn in on the weekend. On his very first day, he canceled the state's mask mandates and vaccine mandates. Just canceled them, freed millions of people. And Virginia abuts Washington, D.C., sort of carved out of Virginia. Many people who work in D.C. live in Virginia. Remember, Virginia voted for Biden by about 10 points over Trump just a year ago. Now it has a strong Republican rolling back lockdowns. And just a week or so ago, as our friend Janine Yunus explained to us, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that six to three against Joe Biden's vaccine mandate that applied to more than 80 million workers who were covered by federal uh, occupational safety and health laws. Six to three. So it wasn't just Republicans on the bench. Biden himself is at a record low in the polls, just 33%. A lot of things are behind that, of course. Inflation, the price of gas, soaring crime, general lawlessness in cities like L.A. and San Francisco and New York. Biden clearly losing his cognitive abilities. But it's not just the failure of the lockdownists. It's the success of the anti-locker downers. I mean, I enjoyed reading this article in the Miami Herald. Who will challenge Jimenez Salazar for seats in Congress? Don't ask Florida Democrats. <laughs> what? Can you even believe it? It used to be that Latino voters were Democrats, but under Ron DeSantis, the Republican, and in reaction to the pro-Cuba, pro-Venezuela, pro-communist Democratic fringe and Joe Biden's failures, the Democrats don't seem to be able to find any strong candidates to run against three Latino Republican congressmen in Miami. Would you ever believe that? No Democrat wants to run and lose in Miami? <laughs> it's a Republican city, not all of it, but it's about freedom now. Yes, I know by many measures it's never been worse here in Canada. No important wins in court yet. But then again, no appeal courts have had a substantive case yet and not our Supreme Court yet. Justice is very slow in Canada. The curfew was back in Quebec, but you know what? It was so palpably unpopular that it was quickly repealed. Did you, did you know that? Did you see that? I saw a new opinion poll yesterday that puts Doug Ford, the Premier of Ontario, at an all-time low, 30% approval. Here's 
the rest of the poll, which is just as interesting. It's a little bit small to show you the whole thing on the video screen, but we'll put a link to it on the website. It's an Angus Reid survey. I recommend you just poke through. It's pretty quick. I mean, Doug Ford's very unpopular and specifically so for his handling the pandemic, but so are some of the most abusive locker downers. Jason Kenney being the most brutal and also the most unpopular in Canada. Here's one of the questions they asked. Do you think the following are doing a good or bad job handling the COVID-19 pandemic overall? And the answers are interesting by different demographics. A majority of Canadians in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and New Brunswick disapprove of their government's handling. But look at the age and sex breakdowns. Young men are the most upset, 70% of young men. Young women not far behind, 66% young men. Of course, almost no young healthy men get seriously sick from COVID. But they are the highest at-risk group for myocarditis and pericarditis from the Pfizer and Moderna shots. But more to the point, they want to work. They want to go to the gym. They want to go to a restaurant. They want to meet people. They want to live their lives, start their lives. Young women too, obviously. And they have the added concern that the jabs have not been tested in a long-term basis. How will these jabs affect reproductive health? I showed you the other day that studies show that the jab affects women's menstrual cycles. Oh, oh, just that, hey? Oh, I'm sure it's nothing. I mean, listen, those pharma bros need to make their next billion. Come on, ladies. You can trust this male feminist pickup artist. He truly cares about your female health. So, yeah. Here's my point. The reason the politics and the media are getting so extreme is precisely because they need to do so because what they're doing isn't really working, not working against the virus and not working to keep their promise to voters who took the jab and now have remorse over it. Canada's democracy is obviously not as healthy as America's. Our checks and balances are broken. Our media is bought off. Our courts are timid and slow. Our politics are a monoculture. We're too passive. Yes, 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 I know that. But if there is hope, it lies with the proles. People are sick of this. Not that you can do anything about it. What are you going to do? Vote for the opposition who propose identical solutions? No, but I put it to you that the smart money is moving. And when America votes out the lockdownists in November, when half a dozen other states join with Virginia and flip from Democrat to Republican, and when the Congress itself returns to Republican hands, I think that will spill over our borders too. At least I hope so. So there it is for what it's worth. <laughs> My attempt at optimism. Stay with us for more. Well, as you know, in December, I had some unfortunate news uh, for Rebel News, which is we applied for a commercial mortgage in Calgary with the Royal Bank had a great series of meetings on the phone and by Zoom with the commercial mortgage lenders in that city. They loved our application, said it was very strong. Rebel News has no debt. We have strong cash flow. So they approved the mortgage and, in fact, offered us two hundred or $300,000 in a line of credit, which we didn't even ask for, a sign of how strong they thought our application was. But the Toronto head office scotched the deal. And as you know, when I spoke to the mortgage lenders, they said it was not for any financial reason, but rather for our strong opinions. Apparently, Rebel News or myself or both are on some sort of internal enemies list, a blacklist of people who, for non-financial reasons, 
are not allowed to get mortgages. A shocking turn of events. But apparently I'm not alone, neither is Rebel News. Here's a story in Blacklock's Reporter. You know, Blacklock's one of the few independent journalists left in this country. They were on a Zoom call with the Bank of Canada, which is not a lending institution like the Royal Bank, but rather the Canadian version of the Federal Reserve. It's the government's bank, and they lend money to the banks who lend it to you at a markup. And I guess they didn't realize that reporters had already joined the call because they started talking amongst themselves. I'm talking about the Bank of Canada media handlers about which reporters they had in their pocket and which reporters they hated or banned. Um, there's a couple people here who I am absolutely, i check the list to make sure who's listening, absolutely not keen to give questions to. I do not want to be in a situation where we're allowing black, black locks to, to be asking us. Um, so, um, yeah, that's about where we're at. The only non-government-funded media on that call our friends at Blacklocks were banned from asking any questions. It was a hot mic moment here to talk with us about it is our friend Spencer Fernando, who himself, like us and like Blacklocks, is one of the few media companies in Canada that does not take money from Trudeau. Spencer, great to see you again. I'll, I'll go through some of the details here, but are you surprised that government agencies have blacklists of folks that they just don't talk to, that they ban, that they shut out. I'm not surprised because we've been caught up in that ourselves, even in the leaders' debates. But the Bank of Canada, that's supposed to be a pretty nonpartisan place, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think so, although we've certainly seen them become more and more partisan and you know interventionist and kind of backing up big spending liberal policies, right? I mean, every time the government goes into more of a deficit, they kind of make it easier for them to get away with it, right? They keep interest rates low, they print more money, they spread all the money around. And so it kind of dulls the pain of these policies. So really, it's not surprising that they would be, you know, not wanting to talk to people who would actually, actually ask them tough questions, in large part because I don't think they really want the public to make the connection between what they're doing and what people are seeing in terms of prices and shortages, right? They don't want people to make that connection. They just want them to blame, oh, it's just the big, mean capitalist companies all there to blame. The government has nothing to do with it. Don't worry about us. So certainly they wouldn't want any tough questions. Yeah. You know, it's not just that they were blacklisting uh, Holly Doan and Blacklocks. It's the reporters they were favoring because these reporters were so, you know, uh, interwoven with the government. They basically said to the government, what do I write? I want to quote to you from uh, Blacklocks. And this is, so like I say, this is a Zoom call where the microphones are on because the Bank of Canada, they don't really, they're not aware that reporters are already on the call. So they think they're talking amongst themselves. And and I'll, I'll read to you in a moment what they said about Blacklocks, who are the good guys. But here's what they said about a Bloomberg reporter. Bloomberg, of course, the big financial uh, news agency. Michael Bloomberg was its founder. Here's what they said about a Bloomberg reporter named Theo Argitis. They said, Theo Argitis gave me a call just to sort of do the, hey, what's my lead here? You know, as a former colleague of mine. And lead, spelled N-E-D-E, is the media yeah term for the lead sentence, the, the breaking news, sum it up for me in one sentence. So you have Bloomberg calling up the bank spin doctors and saying, okay, can you basically tell me what I should write? So they, because we're old friends and we're all in the same club. So they'll, they'll do business with Bloomberg because that just repeats Trudeau propaganda. But the one reporter on the call who doesn't take Trudeau money 
black locks, they won't even talk to. That's I guess that's very unsurprising, isn't it? Yeah, it just shows much of the media has become literally an extension of the government propaganda apparatus, right? Normally, the Bank of Canada or the government would have to put out a press release and actually, you know, there's there's transparency in that. The, the government certainly has a right to share information, but it should be shown that it's from the government so you know what the bias is and that it's likely propaganda, that it serves the interests of those in power. But when you have, obviously, Bloomberg saying, oh, yeah, well, just uh, just tell us, uh, you know, kind of what the what we're going to say about this. Well, then it kind of hides it from people, right? Because people will read an article thinking, OK, I'm reading a journalist's opinion or I'm reading their analysis of events when it's really just something that the Bank of Canada wants people to read, but without being that honest about it. So I think, you know, it's not surprising that the Bank of Canada would try to do that. I, I think, you know, politicians are, are pleased to try to buy up uh, the media and make it just an extension of the government. But the rest of us should be pretty disturbed to see that. Yeah, I guess it's natural for spin doctors to want to talk to comply. I mean, uh, you know, way back in the day when I was in my 20s, I was a, a, a press aide to Preston Manning in the Reform Party. And obviously we had a number of more sympathetic reporters and some hostile ones. So sure, that's natural, mm -hmm. I guess, for the Bank of Canada. I mean, why wouldn't they be thrilled that they have some soft touch at Bloomberg? I think the embarrassment there is on Bloomberg, which is supposedly this first rate professional news gathering agency with no fear or favor will tell you what's going on. Oh, really? They just really published Trudeau's press release. It, you're right. It's embarrassing on Bloomberg more so than on the government. But let me read you what what got Blacklock's ears perked up, because like I said, you got you got 23 different journalists signed up for this Zoom call. It's the big Bank of Canada Zoom call. They're going to talk about inflation and things like that. But the bank people don't realize their mics are on. And here's what they said. So you just heard what they said about their lovey-dovey reporters at Bloomberg. Here's what they said about Blacklocks. Again, Blacklocks Reporter. It's a small website. It's about 300 bucks a year to subscribe, but we're proud mm -hmm. to be subscribers because like you, Spencer, and like us, they don't take any government money. They said, um, there's a couple people here who I am absolutely, uh, check the list to make sure who's listening, absolutely not keen to give questions to. I do not want to be in a situation where we're allowing Blacklocks black to, to be asking us. Um, so, um, yeah, that's about where we're at. That reminds me of when Rebel News was kicked out of the leaders debate. We had to go to federal court to get in. I don't know what Blacklocks can do about it. I mean, I, I suppose there's no rule that you have to take a question from any reporter, but it's just pretty gross to see that you're not going to take a question from the only independent journalist in the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Bank of Canada literally is in charge of Canada's money supply. So you'd think they would be open to the opinions of all Canadians, right? That's it's like it's the bare minimum you'd expect from them, considering they're supposed to be a, a public institution for everybody. But no, I mean, they, they obviously don't want any tough questions. They're trying to pull the wool over the eyes of the public, just like Justin Trudeau is, which is, again, as I said, not letting people ever make the connection between what they're doing and what people are seeing in terms of prices. So, yeah, I think I think they're running pretty scared right now. They they know that if people realize what's going on, a lot of people are going to be pretty upset and, and are going to demand a lot of changes. And they don't want to see that happening. So I, I would expect them to keep doing this. They're obviously going to be a little more careful on their Zoom calls going forward. But I'm sure the internal policy is not going to change. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I can't help but think back to the Trump administration. And for all his flaws, let me tell you one thing about Donald Trump. He loved taking mm -hmm. questions from the roughest, toughest oppositional mm -hmm. journalists in the room. Like Jim Acosta of CNN built his career on being Trump's antagonist. And yet he wrote a book, every, didn't he? Sorry, go ahead. Didn't he wrote a book, I think, didn't he? Yeah. 
And, yeah, and yet every single day, yeah. Trump asked him a question every yeah. day. Like it's it. Trump wasn't yeah. afraid of him. Trump wasn't. I mean, I don't even know if he was mad at him because I tell you, I don't think anyone got more questions from Trump than the number one Trump hater, Jim Acosta. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, for all of the criticisms of Trump, oh, he's, you know, he's he's calling us fake news. He's really mean. He would take hour long press conferences and exhaust them. Like it, it was ridiculous compared to, you know, Trudeau and the Bank of Canada hiding and Joe Biden, who doesn't even take questions. I miss that part about Trump. Yeah, it was so interesting to see people, you know, call him, you know, a fascist or a dictator when he's literally standing there fighting with the media. I mean, that's that's a free country. The media is allowed to criticize a politician and the politician is allowed to criticize the media, the media. You know, a real fascist or authoritarian or communist state, and you look at history, that's where the media gets bought off and controlled by politicians. So I think people should be very careful not looking at the outward appearance of conflict as if that means there's some sort of problem there. You, there actually should be some conflict and disagreement in a semi-functioning democracy. And in Canada, you don't see much of that. You see a lot more. It's a much more polite, but that's much more insidious because your people are being denied uh, the debates and the information that we should be getting. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it's about to get worse. We know that Justin Trudeau has been threatening to bring in an online censorship bill. He's been talking mm -hmm. about it for years. He gave a bit of a hint of it in the spring. I know it's coming back this year. And yeah. uh, again, that's something Donald Trump never did. I think he should have taken on big tech and broken up some of their monopolies and strengthened free speech. He never touched them. Here comes Justin Trudeau. Yeah. He's going to censor the Internet. And I think most journalists are going to support him. Yeah, well, it's because he's going to go after their competition, right? They, they're dependent on government money, and they, they don't like the fact that people can pick and choose independent outlets to compete with them, so they just want to shut them down, right? It's, it's really it's disturbing to see what's happened to the media. It's totally been twisted around. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not the first person to say it, but the media used to speak uh, truth to power, and now it speaks power to truth, and that's, that's a pretty big uh, change for them, and that's why independent media has grown so much. People can sense that something's wrong with the media, and they want an alternative, and we're seeing the growth of independent media, but also, obviously, the backlash from those who have a vested interest in things not changing. Yeah. Well, listen, you're one of the good guys. SpencerFernando.com is your website. I love it. Great writing, very fast on the news. Nice to see you. Thanks for joining us today. All right, take care. All right, there you have it, SpencerFernando.com. Stay with us. Mo ahead. back your viewer feedback sean robin says i just was denied to my father's memorial service because i'm not jabbed the irony and stupidity and pure evilness of it all is mind-boggling you know the the things that are being done to countless millions of people on such a vast scale two three years ago this would have been this little story you've just told would have been a shocking national news item where people would have reacted normally and like fellow humans. But now it's like half the world says, well, were you jabbed? Were you masked? If not, you deserve anything bad. The police brutality, the economic brutality, firing workers, you know, governments enforcing jabs on you. So much for my body, my choice. Every day, millions of things are happening that two and a half years ago, two years ago, would have been a national scandal, including what you've just described. Garland 53 says liberals appear to be using the same tactic as the Nazis did by demonizing a group based on lies to mostly deflect from their own failures. Well, I mean, I think the Nazis demonized the Jews more than just to deflect from their failures. It was um, 
it was it was a more active thing. It wasn't a reactive thing. But I take your point. Yeah, the demonization of a minority, calling them unclean, blaming them for your lack of health. I mean, uh, the Jews were blamed by the Nazis for typhus, and uh, they were compared to rats, not just physically, but in terms of a public health threat. You know, people say, oh, don't make comparisons to the Nazis. But I'm not comparing um, the lockdown to the death camps, but I'm comparing the, the psychological manipulation, the bullying, the segregation, the demonization. Um, the death camps didn't happen right away. The death camps came almost 10 years after Hitler first took power in 1933. We can observe the incremental way in which German civil liberties were destroyed, German democracy were destroyed. We can observe that and remark on the similarities. And especially when it comes to forcing people to get an injection, um, taking away their informed consent, putting them under duress, that is one of the very specific lessons we learned from the Nazis. And the doctor's trials, when the Nazi doctors were put on trial after the Holocaust, that's where our whole understanding of informed consent and medical ethics in the modern age came from. Uh, it was in reaction to the horrific experiments and things done to the concentration camp victims that we came up with our do not harm, our modern version of do not harm, that ancient Hippocratic oath. So yeah, it is absolutely fair to make a comparison to the Nazis on a spot basis. I sure hope that we don't go too far down that road, but so far no one's really pumping the brakes, are they? That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with our video of the day, our friend Avi Amini, setting the record straight about Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open, the tennis tournament. Take a look. Why is he any different than us, man? What's he different? Why is he different? It has nothing to do with it, but that's not why he got kicked out. No, no, but that's a... Pretend that's a, you're not Croatian for a second. No, I'm not Croatian. I just have the shirt. And it has nothing to do with... It's not, he, did, he didn't get kicked out because he was did jabbed. You, do you have the wax? Does it matter? He wasn't kicked out for that. Yes, he has. No. There's a, a rule number one to come here. That, why that's not why he was kicked out. I support you on Facebook, man, but... How did this well, come. Out? I want to explain to you something. Who? Uh -huh. Me? <laughs> not you. <laughs> I'm like thinking, why is she calling me an asshole? He's, not, he's, a, he's just misguided. He's yeah. all right. It's, it, it, people, you know what the problem is here today, is that people believe the mainstream narrative. You see, what he just said to me, why he's, why he's so upset, and why he thinks he said he follows me on Facebook, he likes my stuff. Yeah. I'm just wrong about this. But the thing he doesn't know is he's just fallen for the government and mainstream media's narrative. He yeah. thinks Novak Djokovic was kicked out because he was unvaxxed. That's not why. Like he's a, like he's fine, but he's just he just it's. it's Aviamini here for Rebel News in Melbourne, Australia, outside the Australian Open for the very first night when Novak Djokovic was supposed to play. But less than 24 hours ago, the tennis number one was deported from our country. So I'm here to find out from those attending the Australian Open, firstly, how they feel about that decision to deport him and if they even know why he was deported. Well, I think it was just a big uh, PR, PR stunt by the government. He made them look like dickheads and that's it. I think he's been made out to be a little bit of a scapegoat. The politicians know how to play it so that, you know, 
um, it works in their favour. They knew they could get him on that technicality and stuff like that and make him look like the bad guy when it wasn't even really the point they were arguing in court. It is what it is. Good decision. You happy he's deported? Um, the rules, mate. Which rules? The laws. No. What laws? Is there not? You have to be vaccinated to come here, don't you? I think it was alright that he had to go home. Why is that? Because we all had to get vaccinated. Yeah, I agree. I think he should have gone. Why? Um, don't know. Because <laughs> he wasn't vaccinated. There's rules, he didn't abide by them, pay the price. What was the rule that he didn't abide by? The government rules of being vaccinated to come to the country. So, do you know why they deported him? Because he didn't meet the requirements? No. Do you know? Um, the only thing I know is that he lied on his thing. That's all I've heard. No, I don't no. blame him. No. It's I don't not blame him. It's pretty arrogant. Oh, but is arrogant. <laughs> I like it. But is arrogance what he got deported for? No, I haven't followed it too closely, but if he was arrogant enough to lie on his okay. visa applications, arrogant enough to not respect the rules, then. So, do you know why he was deported at the end? Um, not really. This is what's interesting because we're talking to people, and, mm. and, and, and it seems like everybody's got this perception of what happened mm -hmm. but that's not why he was kicked out so originally we'll go through it originally when he got here they kicked him out because they said that he didn't have a valid exemption mm -hmm. but then uh, the federal government and the state government uh, both uh, conceded he did, ha did have a valid exemption so then they changed it and they tried to tell everyone he lied on his documents yeah but turns out the lie that they were making out to be such a big lie was like you know when you go into an airport and you tick all the boxes yeah, yeah. and you tick the wrong one it doesn't really make a difference which answer they just, it's just one of those, yeah. that's what it was. So they didn't even kick him out on that either because that wasn't really grounds. What they kicked him out on is that they believe without any real evidence besides a comment he made two, and a half, two years or a year and a half ago, mm. they believe that he has anti-vaccine sent, uh, you know, thoughts. He think he, he believes in anti-vax uh, ideas mm. and that would encourage anti-vax sentiment in the community. Do you think that's fair to kick someone? Wait, so it wasn't because it wasn't because he did like, break the rules because someone thought he was gonna what like make someone upset? Nope. Because he's a champion oh. and people are gonna follow his lead. Oh, so he's like a person in the media or someone who's famous and because he's not for it, other people will follow him. Oh, I see. Well, that's a different conversation, I suppose. Well, 93%. So I don't know how he's... How's he, is he going to... Uh, tell me this. Do you think... Like, I know he's a good tennis player. Do you reckon he can... He also has a superpower where he can take vaccinated people and unvax them? Is that what the government was he's worried about? He's pretty clever. He's pretty clever. It's 93%. Everybody kind of followed the media and the, yeah. and the government narrative. Yeah. Now knowing that, even if you like him or dislike him, do you think it's fair he was deported? Because I got this feeling, that, tell me if I'm wrong, you could have some pretty dirty thoughts sometimes. Imagine getting into Thailand and they deport you for those thoughts you have. Yeah, fuck yeah. Of course. Because um, <laughs> Novak got kicked out because you might be having bad thoughts. Not bad thoughts. Maybe Just thoughts different than what bad, bad, people bad, bad. We don't want to get banned. Bad. bad they're bad. They're bad. bad. They're bad. The government said they're bad. Yeah, I didn't know that was the case. I didn't know that was the, he got deported because he was going to incite something. I didn't know that was the case. Oh, that's a bit of a different conversation, I suppose. That's pretty stiff. Do you think that's fair that they can kick oh, you that. out on your thoughts? Yeah, no, that that's pretty bad. Yeah, like for that, I think. Like he can have that opinion. So, so he can have the opinion, but he can't come here with the opinion. 
Well, I mean, if the rule is that you have to be vaccinated and he decides not to, then he should also face the consequence. But, but no, the rule is that he has to be vaccinated unless he had an exemption, and he had the exemption, yeah. so they didn't well, get... He had an exemption that was accepted by the Victorian government and Tennis Australia, but not the federal government. At, at the end, it was accepted by the federal government. So it was... The, yesterday, the immigration minister, Hawke, yeah. who you just... Yeah. He, he conceded that it was accepted by the federal government. Yeah. The grounds they changed the grounds, yeah. so it wasn't his vaccine. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't that he lied. It was that they said that him being here yeah. would encourage anti-vax. Yeah. Do you think that's fair? Well, I don't think people will change their minds because he's here. You don't think people will change his mind? No, I think people made their mind so, up already. Mostly. So, do you think it's fair he was kicked out then? Or do you think the government was just using that as an excuse? Yeah, it was certainly politicised. Do you care what Novak thinks or do you care how he plays? How he plays? What about you? Oh, I don't really care. I just wanted to see his playing. Yeah. yeah. Crazy tennis fans. What are you guys doing here? Are you making people smile? Do you think people need to smile now after the week they've been through here at the Australian Open? Absolutely, yeah, definitely. How long have you been in Australia? Four years, and I love it. Absolutely love this country. So you've been in Australia for four years, from Venezuela. You love Australia. How do you feel knowing that the government can deport you based on what you might think? Uh, it's pretty sad. It is sad. Yeah. Are you going to stop thinking? Nope, never. Not fair, no. I don't think it's fair, no. Because it's like their opinion, so you can't force... We don't even know if it's his opinion. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. Don't have the wrong thoughts. You might get deported. Really? Yeah. You're here at the tennis and you don't have an opinion either way? Hey, I go home, bro. Oh, you work here? Yeah, bro, I work here, bro. Ah, you're just here for the money. But listen, be careful, because apparently in Australia nowadays, they're, they're deporting people based on how they think. Mm. Don't. Wrong think, you're out. Mm. You've been warned. <laughs> good, man. So now that you know all that, do you think it's still yeah. fair that he was deported? Yeah, I mean, the information I have is a bit different than what you described. Do you think that's a fair reason to deport someone from a country? Because you think you think you think you know what they think yeah. for an opinion. Probably not then, no. Behind us here in front of the Australian Open, you have a small contingency that are supporting the number one tennis player who was deported from our country less than 24 hours ago. Yeah, he stood up for his rights, so yeah, that's what we need to do here as well. I'm taking it you're happy with the Djokovic decision? No, I'm not happy at all. Why not? But he's such a bad man. He had evil thoughts. What were his evil thoughts? I'm not aware of his evil thoughts, apart from standing up for free choice. What's going on with those little caps on your head? Is that for Djokovic? Where's yours, mate? I, I'm undercover. If Novak was watching this right now, what would you tell him? I'd probably tell him, it'd be good to see you, but yeah, I'd... I don't know. Good, good question. That's about as Aussie as response as you can get. <laughs> it's just disappointing when it's political rather than about, especially for us tennis fans, we love tennis. And no Djokovic, it's not, you know, there's a lot of excitement missing. So yeah. Whoever wins really came second, we can say that, yeah? Oh, absolutely, man. The greatest player of all time, Djokovic, 100%. No, he probably could have stayed. You're going for Nadal, that's why you I want him he, out. Well, no, no, be honest. You're going for Nadal and you thought this was the only way you were going to win. You think that they, they deported him because... Not because they were worried he was going to spread the virus, but that he was going to spread dissent. Yes. Oh, I don't think I'd get that close to the great man, but um, no, I, I don't think I would have gotten COVID off him. Uh, it's probably just as risky to get it from anyone else. 
that's attending, um, vaccinated or unvaccinated, it's uh, spreading. And yeah. He donated so much um, charity to the bushfires and stuff, and then they just kick him out. I think it's probably not fair. I reckon there's a strong mix of people that disagree with, you know, what's going on. But then there's a lot of people, I think it's just in the class of, oh, I had to do it, so should he. They should be more angry at the bloody mandate than as opposed to the, you know, one person sort of not getting away with it. He was fully exempt from it. You know, he bloody had COVID. How you going? You behave yourselves, guys? Oh, first name basis, I love it. I know what you're thinking. Avi, you're such a rebel with a cause. But guess what? You can also be one. You just got to go to rebelstore.com.au, get yourself one of these t-shirts and you can look as badass as me. You bought tickets, you were in there today? Yep. What would you say to Novak now if he was watching this? Oh, I'd say just keep your head up. You just don't listen to him. Just keep going, play tennis. I don't know what the real issue is. Maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's geopolitical. Um, I don't know. Who's he going to convince? Yeah. According to their own narrative, he's so hated. Although I've been out here, people, yeah. would you have booed him? No, 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 no way, no. He's a, he's a normal person. No. I think most people are just uneducated, read headlines and base their judgments and opinions off that. But that's the world we're living in at the moment. Listen, I'm the capitano and I'm responsible. What nation are you? This might explain the what nation? Italian. Maltese. Are you Maltese as well? Italian. You're Italian? Greek? What is this? A whole Europe? Did you guys actually get here by boat? Oh, can I see your visas? She's laughing at Novak getting kicked out, but I think we might need to get the AFP. You don't like to see? Yeah. What about you? What, you reckon you should play? I do. Oh, I'm happy for him to play. You see? Thanks, mate. Most people here tonight who seem to be for his deportation, when you present all the facts, suddenly they're not so sure. In his words, pretty stiff. Avi Mini in Melbourne, Australia for Rebel News. If you enjoyed this report, make sure to like, comment, and most importantly, share it far and wide because it destroys the mainstream media. And more importantly, the government's narrative that the entire country hate Novak Djokovic. There are some that don't like him. That's because of their lies. Because when you saw here tonight, when they know the facts, they in fact, they're sympathetic. Then, after sharing it, head over to rebelstore.com.au and get yourself some of the new merch. In fact, there's a couple of shirts there for Novak and the Australian clothes. Rebelstore.com.au, it's your chance to not only look good, Stand for something and support your favorite news network. Rebelstore.com.au. Head there now.